재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Good morning and welcome to The Bookend on TBS EFM 101.3 in the heart of Seoul, GFN 98.7 in Gwangju, and 93.7 in Yeosu. It's Sunday, December 20th, 2015, and I'm your host, Jamie Chang. We have a special holidays edition for you today. Helen Cho is bringing us Christmas books for the hot new releases segment, followed by this week's roundtable on A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Our classics panelists David Tizard and Patrick Arts are joining us for the discussion. And for today's first chapter, I'll read from Chun Eun Young's Tokarak Yoja or Chopstick Woman. For today's music, we're playing holiday tunes, starting with. Michael Bublé singing It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. Every Sunday, we start the show with Helen Cho's hot new releases. Helen is a freelance translator and interpreter. Hi, Helen. Hello. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm very good. Merry Christmas in just a few days' time. Yes, Merry Christmas to you too. So Christmas is just around the corner. Are you excited? Do you have any plans? I am super excited. I love it just when things get all nice and Christmassy. Mm -hmm. Yes, so we're going out for a family dinner on Christmas. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Do you do that often? Well, I've Is it like a yearly tradition sort of thing? We try to do it every few months, but mm-hmm. because everybody's been so busy lately, it's mm-hmm. been so difficult to get everyone together, actually, to sit down at the same table. So. Oh, when was the last time you saw your family? I think, well, I see them well, separately, but mm-hmm. because everybody's so busy doing their own things, it's mm-hmm. so difficult to get everybody together. Mm-hmm. So when was the last time everyone the, was gathered? The last time we had a family dinner was, um, I think, Sometime in May or June, so oh, that wow. was quite a few months ago, yes. Oh, do they all live abroad? They live in Seoul, <laughs> like <laughs> half an hour away from where I live. Oh, okay. Yes. So I pop around every now and then. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so are you exchanging gifts with your family this year, or do you do that with your friends, any sort of traditions that you have? I don't know when or why I've actually stopped doing gifts for Christmas. Oh, you don't do gifts? No, okay. I don't really. Although I am still waiting for one from Father Christmas. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. There's children listening to this show right now. Father Christmas is real. Yes, definitely. Yes, do not listen to anyone who tells you otherwise. <laughs> yes. Do you ever give books as gifts? Not necessarily on Christmas, but do you think... In general, it's a good idea to give books for Christmas. Well, 
For my close friends, I do get them books. But mm-hmm. I think if when you want to get books for your friends, you have to know um, what they taste like, like oh, you know, right, right. In books and things. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think none of my friends would actually get me a self-help book, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's that supposed to mean? Because right? yeah. they know that I don't read. Oh, know, okay. How to do that? Or okay. How to so do this as opposed kind of to books. your friends thinking that you need help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So I understand UK's newspaper, The Telegraph, has recently shared their list of best 100 books for Christmas. It's their subjective list of recommendations for best books to buy this Christmas. Have you taken a look at the list? Yes. It's quite an extensive list, um, 100 titles. So there is something you know to please everybody. So mm-hmm. no matter what kind of books you're into, there will be something that actually takes your fancy. Mm-hmm. And I was glad to note that, that many of the titles included on the list have been discussed on the show. So we've oh, picked some yay. good titles before. Yes. Can you introduce some of the titles on the list? So I've picked two titles from the list, one fiction, one non-fiction, and they are The Blue Guitar by John Banville and Ted Hughes' The Unauthorized Life by Jonathan Bate. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the fiction title you've chosen for today's show. First, can you tell us who John Banville is? Um, His full name is William John Banville, and he writes as John Banville and sometimes as Benjamin Black. Mm -hmm. He's an Irish novelist, adapter of dramas, and screenwriter. And he's best recognized and much praised, of course, um, for his precise, cold, almost forensic prose style. um, And he's earned countless fans for his Navakovian inventiveness Mm. and also for the dark humor of his arch narrators. Mm -hmm. And he's considered to be, I quote, one of the most imaginative literary novelists writing in the English language today. Nabokovian arch narrator sounds like something right up my alley. Has he been well received? Yes, he has um, had tremendous success. He's received numerous awards in his writing career. Um, His book, The um, Book of Evidence, was shortlisted for the Booker Prize and it won the Guinness Pete Aviation Award in 1989. And a few years later, in 2005, he did win the Booker Prize with his 14th novel, The Sea. And he's now considered a major contender for the Nobel Prize in Literature. Tell me about his previous titles. Um, he published his first book, a collection of short stories titled Long Lankin in 1970, or um, so says the official introduction of the author. And I, I think at this point I should whisper and say he has actually published um, his first book um, titled Night Spawn, mm-hmm. but then he has disowned it, describing it as a crotchety, posturing, absurdly pretentious. He described his own book as crotchety and pretentious. Yes. For a second, I thought he was describing my travel diary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're funny, Helen. Um, But then he has been very prolific. He's written three trilogies. Mm -hmm. And the first one, um, the Revolutions Trilogy, focused on great men of science. And it consisted of Dr. Copernicus, Kepler and the Newton Letter. So he's written three sets of three books, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's quite an accomplishment. Most writers just write one trilogies in their careers. Oh, not even one. <laughs> right. What's a second trilogy about? The second trilogy is sometimes referred to collectively as Frames and mm-hmm. consists of the Book of Evidence, 
Um, when, with several of his characters being featured in the next title, Ghosts, and the last one, Athena, and they all feature unreliable narrators and explore the power of works of art. Mm. And lastly, the third trilogy comprises Eclipse, Shroud, and Engine Light, and they all concern the two characters, Alexander and Cass Cleave. You mentioned earlier that Benville uses a pseudonym. Does he reserve the pseudonym? I think it was Benjamin Black, right? Mm-hmm. Does he reserve Benjamin Black for certain genres? Um, he's written crime fiction under the pen name Benjamin Black, and um, beginning mm-hmm. with the book Christian Falls that was published in 2006. So he's published a number of crime novels as Benjamin Black, and most of them feature Quirk, an Irish pathologist based in Dublin. And um, he, apparently he says um, he writes his Benjamin Black crime fiction much more quickly than he composes his literary novels. Mm. So Black's royalties are supporting Benville's art. Well, um, according to the author, um, when he writes as black, he sees himself um, as creating a craft, mm-hmm. while uh, as Banville writer, um, he is an artist. So he considers crime writing, in his own word, as being cheap fiction. So it's very harsh. Yes, dun dun dun. Right. Quite <laughs> controversial. I'd wonder what other genre writers think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, in July 2008, um, he gave an interview with an Argentinian paper um, where he was asked if his books had been translated into Irish. Mm-hmm. And he replied that nobody would translate them and they would was often referred to pejoratively as a West Brit. Oh, wow. I don't actually know what that means, a West mm-hmm. Brit. <laughs> But something very insulting, apparently. Mm. Um, something and, pretentious, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. And he is highly scathing of all of his works, um, stating of his books, I quote, I hate them all, I loathe them, they're all a standing embarrassment. Yeah, I think I'm beginning to see a pattern here <laughs> with this writer. Well, I hope he continues to create more and more embarrassment. That'd be uh-huh. lucky for us. Mm-hmm. So um, instead of dwelling on the past, he is continually looking forward and he does not read reviews of his work because he already knows so well the places in which the faults lie. I don't think any review could be harsher than his own review. It's very (laughs) strong, self-hating language. (laughs) Embarrassment. Yes. Benville is a particularly um, well-known writer for his style, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Well, despite his self-critical stance, um, he's considered by critics as a master stylist of the English language, and his writing has been described as perfectly crafted, beautiful and dazzling. By other people. Other people. (laughs) Yes, other people think (laughs) that it's dazzling. In fact, the celebrated um, best-selling writer Don DeLillo um, described his work as dangerous and clear running prose Mm -hmm. and um, the observer described the book of evidence as flawlessly flowing prose whose lyricism patrician irony and aching sense of loss are reminiscent of Lolita and Mm. all this um, might not surprise you when you realize that Banville's stated ambition is to give his prose the kind of denseness and thickness that poetry has 
It's interesting that one of his works has been compared to Lolita. Who are his literary influences? Well, he said in an interview um, with the Paris Review that he liked Vladimir Nabokov's style, and he's also highly influenced by Heinrich von Kleist, um, the German dramatist, novelist, and short story writer. Mm-hmm. He has written adaptations of three of his plays, including Amphitryon, and he's actually used Amphitryon as a basis for his novel The Infinity. Mm-hmm. And being an Irish writer, um, he has been influenced by James Joyce and Samuel Beckett. And right. he has himself acknowledged that all Irish writers are followers of either Joyce or Beckett. And he places himself in the Beckett camp. Mm. If you were an Irish writer, Helen, which camp would you be in, Joyce or Beckett? If I were an Irish writer, <laughs> that's my abysmal attempt at an Irish accent, um, I have to say Beckett because, um, I don't know, the first time I encountered Joyce was when I picked up Ulysses. Oh, And I remember after reading, yes, yeah. um, even before I started reading it, I just felt really defeated by the sheer uh, volume right. of the work actually mm-hmm. sitting in front of me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but Beckett, so Beckett. yes. Waiting for Gordo. I mm-hmm. just, I love it. Oh, it's such a great. So, can you tell us what the Banville book is about? Um, well, this book all about artistic creation, about theft, about mm-hmm. the ways in which we learn to possess one another mm-hmm. and how we try to hold on to ourselves in doing so. Mm-hmm. So our narrator is a man named Oliver Otway Orm. So you see that you know, Banville is all about alliterating names. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a painter of some renown. He's a petty thief who has never before been caught and he steals only for pleasure and he um, sees both art and the art of thievery as part of his endless effort at possession. So we see him, um, he's pushing 50 and feels like he's 100 years old and you know he realizes things are not going so well for him. Mm-hmm. So what brings on this midlife crisis in the blue guitar? Well, ever since he recognized um, what he refers to as man-killing crevasse that exists between what he sees around him and any representation that he might make of it, he stopped painting. Mm-hmm. And um, the last time he tries to steal something, he gets caught. And what he tries to steal this time um, was the wife of the man who was perhaps his best friend. Mm. So when he gets discovered, he has to run away from everything, from his mistress, from his home, from his wife. So he goes off and hides himself in the house where he was born. So he's sitting there all alone and he's trying to uncover in himself the answer to how and why things have turned out as they have. Mm, And in order to do that, he has to dig deep into the memories of family, of the places he has um, called home and of the way he has apprehended the world around him. And he says, I have a direct quote from the book, Mm -hmm. one of my eyes is forever turning towards the world beyond. Mm. It sounds like a real soul-searching kind mm-hmm. of book. It's so, actually kind of perfect for Christmas if you think about it. You know. Yes. Yeah. Let's move on to the nonfiction title on your list, Ted Hughes' The Unauthorized Life by Jonathan Bate. Yes. 
Um, so, renowned scholar Sir Jonathan Bate has spent five years in his archives to dig up a wealth of new material on my favourite poet, Ted Hughes. Mm. And this book has been shortlisted for the Samuel Johnson Prize. And this book offers, for the first time, the full story of the life of Ted Hughes as it was lived, remembered, and reshaped in his art. Mm-hmm. So, it's not wholly uncritical, but it's a book that honours the poetry of Ted Hughes and the art of life. Life writing. Mm-hmm. Can you remind us who Ted Hughes is? Um, Ted Hughes was one of the greatest writers of the 20th century. He is one of Britain's most important poets and he was a poet laureate. And he, um, just in his poetry, he uses nature, animals and events and turns them into some kind of very powerful mythologies. Mm. And he's a real, he's a poet of motion and force. And you see some very powerful brooding landscapes all throughout his writing, like rivers, light, redemption, beasts, Mm. all that. And he's also, um, he has an equal gift for poetry and prose. He's also written quite a lot of um, children's books. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm has been also been hailed as the greatest English letter writer since John Keats. Mm-hmm. And I understand he's also had a pretty colorful personal life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he has attracted more scandal than any poet since Lord Byron. Oh, he wow. had um, mm-hmm. such a magnetic personality mm-hmm. and a real um, insatiable appetite for friendship, love and for life. Um, mm-hmm. He really lived life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. And at the center of this book is his lifelong quest to come to terms with the suicide of his first life, the celebrated author Sylvia Plath. Right. You know, it was the, one of the saddest, I think, mm-hmm. the most um, tragic and infamous moments in modern poetry. Well, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Helen, for coming in, and we will see you again next Sunday. Okay, well, happy reading and happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Christmas to you, too. Coming up next is today's roundtable, but first, let's listen to Anthony Hamilton singing Home for the Holidays. Home for the holidays, you was thinking I'd stay away, but oh no. Can't wait to see your smiling face, baby, I'm on my way.